off the record, on the rocks. All right, everybody, welcome back to another off the record, on the rocks. My buddy, Mr. Ancarino Lara, how are you, sir? I'm well. Happy summer. Happy July. Yeah, we are cruising through a, a bear market in the summer. I don't think anybody's, you know, gonna say otherwise. Uh, it's been a weird, a weird market. Just in the past hour, we got the news: the Fed taking this unprecedented move, uh, another rate hike, seventy-five basis points, two in a row. Uh, I haven't checked the, you know, if if, if this is the the ultimate signal that they're now going to define it as a recession. I, you know, I don't know what the exact measurement or metrics are, but this does feel like, um, you know, really aggressive moves from the Fed uh, to try to rectify the inflation challenges. And, you know, I, I know it doesn't necessarily all seem interrelated, but to me, I can tie all of this even back to, um, the regulation that's happening around crypto and all the legislation that's being introduced. And, you know, it, it's, it's almost during this bear market that everybody's getting their bearings, getting all of their, <laughs> their get, get, <laughs> you like that? getting all this, it. getting all their stuff in order so that, you know, as hopefully uh, we don't enter a recession and maybe as we go into the fall and the, the, the Santa season, um, that markets can start coming back, consumer confidence comes back, and simultaneously regulation in the crypto to give consumers yet more confidence in this new ecosystem. Um, one of the things that came up over the last couple of weeks, I know we had been talking just about the uh, the insider trading at um, at Coinbase and some of the um, uh, some of the investigations that were happening there, and that that ultimately came to fruition, I guess, that this, that this core, uh, former Coinbase product manager was officially arrested for insider trading. And um, the the U.S. Attorney General, uh, or the attorney, I guess, prosecuting the case said, today's charges are a further reminder that Web3 is not a law-free zone. And I, I just got a kind of a kick out of that, that, you know, this is how I see the Fed really enforcing regulation uh, through this kind of enforcement, right? The fact that they found somebody doing something wrong, frauding other people out of money. Now they're going to come in with rules to regulate those wrongs where that's not normally the way folks like to see this kind of regulation go. Um, no, I, I don't know if you've got any take on this kind of regulation through enforcement. It's pretty heavy handed, I think. Regulation through enforcement as a term is something that I guess I wasn't even that familiar with until the latest couple of weeks just because it's rare to see a brand new industry right. so quickly thrive into what people call this great bull run over, I mean, it was like maybe like 12, 14, 15 months to then all of a sudden have, like you said, this plurality of events in the world, that there are so many things that are tied together, where, whether it's the Fed raising interest rates, whether it's a slowing of Putin's advancing, uh, whether it's an increase in the amount of weapons that are sent around the world, if it's a, uh, re, a, a resourcing natural gas and other things so you don't have to rely on Russia's pipelines. Like every major macroeconomic global thing that's happening, I think, does affect all this stuff, like you're saying. Um, but the regulation by enforcement as something that 
comes in as an event like all those other things feels almost like there's it's like shark week you know like it, it, you know, I, I see The Rock on TV promoting Shark Week every day this week. There's some horrible show about people, you know, chumming the water and jumping in cages. But it's almost like Coinbase. Okay, we know that Coinbase employees, some number of them, are going to be criminals, right? You can't take a whole company of people and say that not one of them is going to be somehow a little bit corrupt. But the the frenzy it feels like that whether it's the SEC, the Fed, the CTFC, the DOJ, the like all the organizations that want to come running in and start <laughs> prosecuting like everyone's like trying to take turns just pushing through the door to like beat somebody up um and it's a question of okay well what is this stuff right it's only been around for a little while is it a security because the sec says it is is it a commodity is it a this is it a whatever like there's so many angles on what it is that i feel like you know, these poor guys, unfortunately, are going to have an example made of them. I think it's the product manager and like two or three pals who are all working together. And when they talk about like the greed index and the fear index and how those two things are on the opposite ends, I, to me, it feels like it's only a matter of time. And Coinbase obviously is the first obvious one because it's publicly traded. But we saw with Doquan, with um, Terra Luna, we saw with the Three Rows Capital, there's going to be a bad actor who maybe makes a bad decision or an illegal decision. And then sooner or later, you know, that's going to catch up with you. So for me, the Coinbase is just the first shoe dropping, right? Yeah. This is going to be, okay, once we establish precedent that when you do these things, like when you stop transactions on your decks and then your own employees keep transacting, <laughs> they, have, they have the timestamps right. to show that they just did it when it was down. I mean, then they're going to be able to take that and just go down the line and say, hey, if you want to be a publicly traded recognized company, you're going to have to adhere to all these new rules that we wrote. On the one hand, I can see why you need to have some set of precedents. Like, yeah, you can't just turn off your system and then illegally use it. Uh, but on the other hand, I really do. I, I sort of err on the market side, which is I feel like we've only been at this for really a few years. Even the crypto, quote unquote, with Bitcoin has been around for 10. The last two to three have really been when the public eye when Tom Brady and Matt Damon go on TV and tell you crypto's great, like that's recent. So I feel like this is a little too much too soon. But then again, the way the Supreme Court's acting, I feel like the world wants too much too soon every chance they can get. Yeah, you, you mentioned this tarot ecosystem, and I, I want to come back to kind of some of the, the the more recent news coming out from that uh, that depegging and, and ultimate failure there. Um, but but sticking on this. Uh, um, the investigation and then the the regulation going through Congress. There's two other things that are going on. One, I saw that uh, there was a bill. Uh, senators proposed a bill to cut taxes on small crypto transactions. So this was uh, Pat Toomey and and Kirsten Cinema uh, pushing this new bill that would make crypto transactions up to up to fifty dollars exempt from capital gains taxes. And at the same time, I saw that there was whatever the bigger crypto bill is that had been the, the stable coin bill that had been proposed previously, that it is now being delayed. It's a, it's quote unquote unlikely to get a vote this year. So it's, it's another mm. kind of interesting little tidbit there that if the bigger bill is being delayed, maybe because of all of these other macro uh, challenges or just things happening in the world, is this latest small tax cut bill on $50 crypto almost giving 
the regulators some wiggle room to say, we're not really worried about the little teeny transactions. Mm, we're just trying to right now get our heads wrapped around the big stuff. And, and final point on that, which was uh, Mr. Mark Cuban um, went on Twitter to tell his 8.7 million Twitter followers that, um, you know, be, in reaction to this insider trading lawsuit uh, from the SEC against this Coinbase employee, he basically said, quote, think this is bad? Wait till you see what they come up with for registration of tokens. That's the nightmare that's waiting for the crypto industry. And take that back around to what you just said about, you know, Coinbase is now in the position, just like we anticipated, Coinbase is now in the position to define who are the coins able to be listed as digital assets within their platform. If they don't want to call them securities, maybe that's right. That's the behind the door uh, mm -hmm. negotiation that happens. Of, no, we, we're going to, we want, these are cryptocurrencies. These are digital assets, but when they're on Coinbase, we're going to meet the regulators requirements that they are properly registered, right? That they are KYC'd their customers, that whatever those things are that the SEC uh, and the Fed's gonna need to know in order to ultimately tax it. But right now we're only gonna worry about the ones over $50, right? These are all separate things, but you see where these threads are coming together with the regulators. Anyway, that's just my, my yeah. hot take on it. Well, you, you got me uh, thinking about that actually, because it does, the way you couch it like that, it does sound like they're throwing a bone to the industry, right? It's like, you, they don't want to be all bad right. news. So, so what can we say to kind of placate folks a little bit to keep money flowing in? Well, they probably did some quick study to see what was the average, you know, crypto transaction across these different things. And if you look at Venmo and PayPal, and let's not forget that PayPal owes Venmo, owns Venmo. Let's not forget that the PayPal mafia basically defined web two, the internet as we know it by creating PayPal and creating YouTube and all the people who came from PayPal went off to create these amazing things. So if you kind of look at the parallel of the Web2 mafia, again, that's Elon Musk and all his cronies from PayPal. Translate that now to the Web3 Illuminati. Well, guess who's still in play? Elon Musk. Now some new folks have showed up. And the only reason that they're valid is because they have money, right? Mark Cuban only has followers because he's rich. He's Mark Cuban. Right? You can sort of buy your following, if you will, if you're bombastic in public. Um, but all those guys are, are absolutely right. They're now defining it because there is only one place, like we had talked about. As soon as Coinbase goes and rings the bell at the NASDAQ, they effectively become an apparatus of the government because they had to play by every rule. They Remember when they paid that, like, what was it, $137 million right. fine? There was a bunch of fines they had to pay like leading up to them doing their, their IPO because they had to like just take care of a bunch of like you know misunderstandings. I forget how they, they said it, but they said it in such a way where you're like, huh, that's weird. What kind of company <laughs> pays like a gigantic fine or multiple fines before they're like honestly going to go do business? So then you have to look at those guys and say, well, God, you know, Coinbase, you're, if you are listing – Every single shit coin project that comes out, and let's remind our listeners that to make a coin today, let's not listen to the ominous words of Cuban just yet that you just spoke, but to make a coin today, it's probably like an hour or two of basically right-clicking and saying copy and then saying paste and then going and finding a picture of like a little dog or owl or some <laughs> animal and then maybe like putting like little colors on it and then calling it something 
that is a trending term on Twitter, right? <laughs> like, I mean, there was literally like a, 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 a get your get my wife's name out your mouth coin after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, right? It's, it's whatever's trending. So if Coinbase is going to be the hall of record, it's just going to be like the Library of Congress of coins for the government, then Coinbase is going to be going through a whole nother culling of – because what I want to say that there's that the, at latest count there's something like twenty two thousand projects oh that are on blockchains, and at that and I want to say two to three years ago, when I started just before pandemic when I started really getting into it I want to say it was up around nine or ten thousand at that time it was starting to so it's almost like doubled basically in the last since pandemic, and again because you can right click and just paste so. I think there's going to be this interesting reckoning that's going to be not only first, okay, like you pay your fines, they're comfortable with that. Are you going to basically totally sell out your product managers and people who did some funny stuff behind the scenes? Of course you are. You're going to run them up the flagpole. You're going to put them out in public in the gallows, you know, and then you're going to, or not the gallows, what am I saying? What do you call it when you have you shackle somebody uh, in the, and you throw things out of the That sounds right. Yes. That's how you call it. Yeah, you put them in the middle of town square and everyone comes and throws eggs at their faces, right? So they're going to make an example yeah. out of these guys. Then I predict, and you hear, heard it here first, Coinbase is going to just start delisting projects one after another. And you're going to get back down to that list of approved, somehow, some way, <laughs> green check mark, blue check mark. Is this project the real Kanye West or is it just the fake Kanye West? Oh, it's real check mark. Okay, then we'll list it. And, you know, I. I I just I feel like Coinbase sold out. All their folks made a shit ton of money when the stock was nice and high. It's like what worth fifteen percent of what it used to be. Everyone's leaving. Everyone's selling. Everyone's going to go to jail. <laughs> and I feel like the wild the, the wild west of uh, twenty thousand coin projects is going to probably come back down to two hundred, maybe three hundred again, where you could imagine browsing it like a real skew as opposed to just today, which it really is the wild west. It's kind of just one criminal copying another. Just saying, I, I heard your bit, your Bitcoin Maxi come out there a little bit with the back to the <laughs> blue check mark. I, 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 I heard it. I heard it in there. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if we get back to that. Um, you know, now they become the the mechanism with which to vet even that language from from Cuban of registration of coins, right? Like that, I feel yeah. like that was very on purpose because today that doesn't exist. Um, and I don't know what the process is to get into, uh, to Coinbase. I'm looking, Coinbase is down, uh, gonna, uh, <laughs> 70, <laughs> case in point, case in point, 76% in the past year, they're trading at 56.05. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. 75% down. So I was 15, not 25. Well, sorry. So I put a pen in all of that. I, I know you did, you did mention the, uh, the tarot ecosystem, the tarot ecosystem and the, the Luna collapse. And, uh, you had discovered some new interesting connections happening there, uh, with three arrows capital and, and tell me what's your, uh, what's your take on, on how that new web three mafia, you know, kind of saw their own demise here. Yeah, you know, the as we were talking about the Web2 Mafia led by Musk and PayPal and then all, everyone who left there started tons of companies, many of which were unsuccessful, many of which were wildly successful. I keep using YouTube as the example, one of the biggest ones that came out of those two guys who left PayPal. Um, but the, the part about the Web3 collapse as it ties to Three Arrows Capital who backed Terra Luna 
that is so fascinating is there's this interesting inverse relationship in the web two world we kind of think as that is like the, the the birth of the real internet as we know it right it kind of brought us all the big services that we today know and use and rely on whether that's your amazon.coms or your amazon aws's which are you know the same company two different products uh twitter is another thing else it comes out of that uh at that time though the web was still really private i mean even though it was public facing web pages the goings on behind closed doors there wasn't any Twitter at the time even really like there was no way to hear and to learn to spread the information so quickly as what was happening, which maybe is what caused the original dot com collapse of 2001 to take as long as it did. Right um, now, fast forward to Web3, where everything is on the blockchain, everything is public and and founders of coins and companies and projects and whatever are more than willing to spend almost their entire waking life on Twitter telling everyone exactly what they're doing, and even to their own detriment. So I feel like there's this great acceleration that occurs. So we're seeing a Web 2 rise and fall in Web 3 way faster. Like, talk about bring it back down. You know, if, we, if you say it went from 95 to 2001, that's a six-year window from, like, Yahoo to dot-com collapse. Well, we saw all that in two years, basically, we went from six to two. We're seeing these intervals being completely compressed. Um, it all comes back to the same thing, though. Who knows who, right? The guys at uh, on Sand Hill Road who are venture capitalists who invest in things like Facebook and Twitter and Uber and whatever are literally all the same guys who drive their Porsches to the golf course near Stanford and play golf every day. They all know each other. Everybody from Sierra Ventures to Trident Capital to Sequoia to all, they're all pals. Well, now take that whole Sand Hill Road and just cram that into three guys who met on a Discord who kind of know each other, right? One's ahead of three hours, cap, three hours capital, one's ahead of Terra Luna, one's ahead of some other service, and they're all pals, and they start doing their, you know, working together and start funding each other's projects, almost like they're kiting checks to each other. Like, how much do you need? I'll give you that. You give me this, you give me that. 500 million, 1.2 billion, the numbers are astronomical compared to what it was back in those days. You know, the Web 2 days of like raising 10 million bucks for your Series A. People are raising 10 million bucks on a shitcoin right. in one hour. So these guys, and, and we've learned that all these guys took all the investment, all the money they're bringing in from Bitcoin or whatever, or from their, um, their loans, and instead of like buying Bitcoin or stablecoin or anything, they just invested in altcoin projects to try to maximize that value, trying to hit their own lottery over and over again, right? If you print the lottery tickets, <laughs> you should know how to win the lottery. It's pretty straightforward math, right? Until the price of Bitcoin, back to Bitcoin maximalists, price of Bitcoin drops to a peg where suddenly everyone's liquidated. Who can peg a stable coin or any other project? You can peg it to anything. But why is it that every shitcoin pegs itself to Bitcoin, and then when Bitcoin drops, then it all falls apart? So I feel like you know, you have three to four to five people who know each other just the way you did in Web two. Then you know, in two thousand and one, Web two crashed because the advertising model collapsed. In two thousand twenty-two, the entire altcoin market collapsed. Um, you know, to say the Bitcoin market collapsed is a fallacy. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, right? The value will go ebb and flow. But these coins are now. What, what's the what's the Terra Luna? It went from six hundred and fifty million to sixty-five dollars. I want to say, like you're talking like jumping six orders of magnitude. So I feel like you know this market unfortunately is wildly vulnerable to the greed and bad decision making of only a handful of people. Um, I think that that was true of Web two, 
it's just it took a lot longer for it to manifest. Um, and now in Web3, we're seeing these things. And sometimes these knee-jerk decisions that people make behind closed doors and on Twitter have ramifications across broad swaths of the market. I think the silver lining for me on this is that if we're seeing the rise and fall happen so fast, then the rise yeah. will happen fast again. Like maybe we're not <clears throat> looking at bear markets, but like this could be a bear summer. And we and, and like ironically then go into a bull winter and then a <laughs> bear spring and a bull summer. Like you can see yeah. these these seasons coming every two to three months because of the speed of the market. That to me makes it exciting. Like we're not gonna hunker down for a ten year recession, guys. Like we'll just we'll just have our recession in five months and then we'll get right back to it. I'm feeling like that's the vibe. I don't know of the why right I this it just popped into my mind, but you've. And I think there's a name for it, but the the graph that shows the technological advancements and the exponent exponential technological advancements, like over the last hundred years, and you kind of see that yeah uh, that curve in its exponential form, and it it makes me think that. Yeah, your hypothesis there of just the speed of the cycles of these markets because of the technology and because of, uh, in some ways, I think the consumer, the retail investor, I think because it's blockchain, so they're, they're cutting out literally of the middleman. You know, you're not waiting two and three days for transactions. And again, just talking about the crypto market specifically, but now these things really just, it just feels like you're right, a faster cycle. Um, and let's hope. And maybe that also kind of speaks to this quote unquote unprecedented rate hike. The fact that it's two in a row, mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's sort of being packed into a shorter time frame in order to have the upswing come sooner rather than later. Because what goes down will come back up. Um, I mean, that's it's just interesting to really think about. Yeah, let's hope it's just through the summer. And I think we've been talking yeah, all along maybe, that as we get into September, October, you know, it feels like we're going to be uh, coming back out again. We were also talking about the end of the pandemic and nobody's really talking about monkeypox because, it, you know, I was I was laughing to myself earlier. Of, you're not hearing anybody refer to it as, quote unquote, unprecedented <laughs> because it's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that was the mm -hmm. thing. Oh, this is unprecedented. Nobody's even talking about it because it's just happening. But anyway, that. Well, the but the, the Fed rate hikes like, that's like, they're, they're willing to say are unprecedented because it, and actually they are. No, but we've like, been there. Box, like no, <laughs> this is <laughs> we've been there. We've had so many bad problems like that. No, and I think that there's another factor too, which is we talk you know to bring it back around to a topic from one of our previous episodes is Apple as the as the I think the de facto gatekeeper to the metaverse, I was starting to think a lot more after our last conversation about how much data that they're collecting on yeah. our faces, our eyeballs, and our expressions. Because if if you have Coinbase, if you have Gemini, if you have Kraken, if you have pick your, I mean, really, it's just Coinbase, right, or FTX on your phone, and you are an iPhone user, I don't know much about Google smartphones, but I'm assuming they have similar technology. And they're using your face to open your phone and therefore open your Coinbase app. Well, now, if Coinbase needs to KYC anything, they already have not only your information, but then as well your full like range of expressions for your face. So anytime in the future you want to kind of go to the police state conspiracy of, well, if you want to trade crypto, they have to know who you are. 
in order to access your bank account, you have to you know who you are. Well, right. that data already exists. You don't actually have to go to a DMV, get an ID, and then show someone. You're showing them every day. So similarly, it used to be you had to go drive down to your bank. I remember my, my parents were like first exploring the idea of buying and selling stocks and bonds, you know, in like the 80s or whatever. And you'd go down and talk to a broker, and there was some guy behind a desk, and they'd talk to you about these options, and the options were like, short enough you can see it on one piece of paper right. and here's our our portfolio you can buy this bunch of things and call it conservative call it you know risky blah blah blah, blah. well take all of that out like you said that's the middleman getting in cars driving to places getting on phones calling schwab going to the thing installing the like eToro stock trading app like who has time for all that bullshit? actually if i just look at my phone my phone opens it app opens up. I see all these things that I mean they're not Apple and Tesla, but they're Shiba Inu and Ethereum. And by just going to my fingers, I suddenly made these transactions. So I think that part of the accelerated cycle of coming into a bull market, falling out of a bull market into a bear, going back into a bull is as whimsical and as uh, can be as sped up as somebody deciding to wake up at two in the morning and just tap a button to trade less than 50 in crypto that that to me is weird is now so close to the borg as humans that there is no such thing as like i don't know if we've talked about this but uh the from a privacy thing talking about apple and the data and the facial recognition all of the other data that they have i mean I, i was listening into a twitter spaces the other day and somebody was talking about the accelerometer in the phone can actually like measure your gait the the gate of your walk and your gate yeah. is very unique uh in, yes. in uh you know military warfare that, that that is something that they use when they can't see you close up they're looking to see like your, your gate is unique to you just as much as your fingerprint or you know any of your other mm. biometrics anyway yes apple has a lot of that data when you talk about kyc within these financial markets the other thing that i started to think about and we may have talked about this as well in private uh, on previous episodes but um it's that these exchanges need to know, uh, know who you are, but you can still be sovereign over your data. And and the best example of this, and you use the DMV, so I'll go there, which is like when I show my driver's license to somebody, <laughs> when I walk into a bar, you know, they're looking at the date. They don't need to know the date. They just need to know that I'm over 21. And I should be able to retain sovereignty mm-hmm. over literally the data that I own while still KYCing with this transa- in this transaction, right? I still should be able to answer the business problem. So in Coinbase's scenario, what you're talking about in order to set up an account, they have to quote unquote, know who you are. Well, what do they need to know? Now you get into the nitty gritty of maybe what that regulation truly mm-hmm. should look like in a crypto market, which is they need to know that I uh, am, have not been bankrupt, right? Maybe they do need to understand that I have quote, good credit or, I'm making up the examples here, but they don't need to know the mm-hmm. you know exactly what my household income is or you know what my uh, current credit score, home address. How about, right? how about what your but home? Do you home own a home? Is. Yes or no? Like all that data can still be validated and can be owned, but I can be sovereign over it. I can own and control that data while still mm-hmm. giving businesses comfort in knowing or whatever they're meeting their regulation 
by checking all the boxes because the exchange, the blockchain can allow for that type of sovereignty over data. Anyway, I think that's exactly where Apple, where Apple is going uh, in terms of the use of biometrics. And even the way I log in today, you know, I, I've, I probably type in 75% less passwords than I did two years ago. I'm, I'm almost entirely relying on face ID. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of scenarios when it does pop up and I'm like, oh shit, I don't remember it because I have become so used to it. So that data and, and that sovereignty over my identity is a, is a big piece of this entrance into the metaverse. And you, even what I just described ties it all back to currency, cryptocurrency and transactions. I, I saw this morning too, um, Zuckerberg says, Meta and Apple are in a quote, very deep philosophical competition to build the metaverse. So the this is a competition of philosophies mm -hmm. and ideas, Meta CEO recently told employees. Uh, and take what we just talked about. These two tech giants are gearing up to build the metaverse. One of them literally changed their name. One of them hasn't shown their cards yet, but everybody knows Tim Cook's interest in AR. This will be Tim Cook's uh, Steve Jobs moment, and and it's coming. It's coming very soon <laughs> because like the augmented reality, what the phone has, what it means for the metaverse, um, is right around the corner. And talk about that in terms of a market cycle. You know, as these companies keep pushing, and that stuff comes to fruition, and the big brands are coming in. It's not even the you know, we talked about that. We've been doing this show long enough now to when the brands weren't coming in. Now they're all in. Everybody's announcing something. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's. Yeah, we were, we were talking about, you know, a year ago, it was who's the brand of the moment who's doing something cool. You yeah. know, look, Nike just acquired Artifact. Look, this happened. And now yeah. if you're not in it, people ask why. Um, and, you know, and we I'll go back to what we talked about. We said, hey, the metaverse is going to be, you know, there'll be consolidation in tech, right? We know that Google's making moves. We know that Apple's going to make moves. Amazon's going to make moves. Facebook's going to make and moves. And Samsung, you've talked about. I haven't forgotten um, about and that. I, I, and Samsung, and and I, it comes back to me that the un, unfortunately for some of our you know uh, old you know contemporaries at Meta, the reality the, the the reality that I cannot escape. And I think it's actually validated by Meta's actions, which is they talk a lot about the metaverse. They rename their name to Meta, which you're doing all these things which are so on the nose, right, about what you're trying to do. You rename your name Meta. You go acquire Oculus and, like, a VR headset company. You go and broker a kind of a crazy deal now that I'm sort of watching it play out for months with Ray-Ban to create these these wearables that are, you know, kind of, are they any more useful than a Google Glass? And they're certainly more stylish than Google Glass, but are they any more useful? I don't know. You have those people like taking these swings in the dark at, at Meta of like, what's the metaverse? Well, gosh, it kind of sort of seems like a software company like Meta really puts a high value on hardware in order to access the metaverse. And that's not their wheelhouse. Now let's just go pause and go over to you know Cupertino and then go over to Korea, and here is Apple making the only way you can get into the metaverse today, and to, to put a thing in your hand, and Samsung who only has devices and to put that in your hand. And if you're 
don't have that device in your hand, I'm sorry, you're not going to get into the metaverse. And even today, all these wearables still rely right. on the fact that you have a smartphone in your pocket. So you can get as fancy as you want to get, but if you're not really dialed into your actual world, you're not, I mean, the metaverse still is just a gaming console. That's, to me, when I look at meta and every commercial that they run, and they run way too many, it's just kids in some room drawing like borders on their rugs and like swinging, you know, lightsabers or throwing fruit at animals. It isn't actually interesting. It's more of like a party trick, a novelty. So I still think, yeah, we're gonna, we haven't heard the last from the, the hardware manufacturers and the fact that they're the most quiet. Let's me Good know point. The ones doing the work. Um, you're right. The ones that are the most quiet are the ones that are doing the work. Uh, that's it's it's so true. Uh, just because we were talking about brands coming in to the Web3 ecosystem, um, and as we wrap things up here, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Chipotle with the marketing win, with with encouraging fans <laughs> to quote buy the dip with their new crypto game and the the so NFT. Good for guac for national avocado day i mean just such a terrific a marketing play they took out the billboard in times square they branded the whole thing by the dip and they gave away free crypto as and basically as promo codes for uh one cent guac and and one cent queso um you know it's it's I also in the in the press release it said that uh, they're now accepting digital currency, so you can actually pay in cryptocurrency oh. um, at Chipotle. Which again, hopefully, hopefully we can pay in Doge burritos or Bitcoin. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin for yeah burritos for Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean the we, we've seen the marketing come and go, and as marketers in our past. Like you said, we know. I know when we the, the the times that we've spent the most money on marketing at our company was the time when we were the weakest. Like I, there's always a direct correlation between that because when you're really focused, you don't have, need to go talk about it. Um, and but in the case of marketing, like Chipotle, to come out and you know buying the dip is something that has been said for like years, but like probably on TV even like in the last 12 months. And the fact that it took Chipotle. To like literally scoop Frito Lay, PepsiCo, like pick every major manufacturer who actually sells, who even has like slogans about like, you know, get more dip on our better chip or whatever. You know, they have those like weird Tostitos scoops and things. I mean, they like Chipotle of all places. Crushing it. Are the ones who swipe that one. Crushing it, and uh, and I mean, but they're also interesting. That's a, as a company, I can see why they're dynamic. They're the ones I think, right, who sold to McDonald's and then bought it back again. And there was some whole thing that happened with them. Um, I think they're independent again, but uh, but only that's the only way they could pull this off. You know, it's uh, it's really impressive. Just to, really I want to maybe do a teaser because um, I'm going to do a little bit more research. But uh, in terms of the ETH merge. So I, I don't want to go into it right now, but just letting you know, let's dig into this of a lot being made around ETH, mm-hmm. uh, the ETH merge, this kind of move to a, uh, a proof of stake concept or, or however it's referred to. Um, and and at the same time, it's, it's causing a, a bit of a, a buzz, people bu- getting back into ETH. This is coming in the next... I think in the next several months, let's tee that up. And I think we could probably do um, a pretty long segment, in fact, on what this means, what the technology means, what the the move here is. You bring your your Bitcoin maxi and I'll bring my uh, my ETH merge research uh, for the next episode. 
uh, and we can leave it there, sir. That sounds perfect. And between now and then, until now and the ETH merge, what's the over over under on how many new projects are started? Oh, geez. <laughs> do, do we have, is there hundreds? Is there thousands? Because the ETH merge announcement not only caused ETH to go from $1,000 to 1500 which is a pretty good jump, how many pro- people thought in that moment, oh, shit, I got to go do a project now? Like, it, it probably, you know, when the thing markets drop, things stall out. I'm going to go ahead Easy. and say we're going to see close to a thousand new projects. Yeah, similar Maybe to that for summer we'll 2021 with the NFT world explosion uh, and OpenSea and Board Ape Yacht Club and all that stuff. I think there's a lot of folks who saw that rise, got caught up in it. A lot of folks lost their bags, but a lot of folks still sticking around during this quiet period and see the direction that things are going. I think that's a great place to uh, to take us next episode. Off the record. Awesome, man. Great talking to you. On the rocks.